All right, hey guys, and today we're talking a little bit in the log one about the veil. And specifically, what I really wanted to focus on is uh, what the veil actually is, why is it there, why was it created, and what can we do with it as far as going about our daily lives, learning how to pierce the veil a little bit uh, every day. Uh, because it's not a, um, I don't believe that it happens uh, dramatically instantaneously um i know that there are certain maybe psychedelics that can happen for um, a certain amount of time but learning about um how it entails to our evolution it happens on a, a very gradual level uh and, and finding out um, who we are as beings and in the end we find out that you know we ourselves are facets of the uh, creator and uh, learning how to work with that and learning how to be the best versions of ourselves. So let's get into a little bit of these sessions. So the sessions that I really wanted to focus on today were 83, 85, and 86. They're really thick on um, the whole subject of the veil. So in some of these, I think I've gone over before in separate subjects, but it's really good to revisit sessions and, and questions anyway each time that i read it um i find new meanings and new understandings deeper meanings and deeper understandings each time so let's get into this one this is session 85 question 19. Um, i would like to carry on to find out what specific functions of the mind were most effectual and the three or four most effective changes brought about to create the polarization. So they're talking about, um, you know, the end of the cycle when we're choosing our polarization, either service to self or service to others and, um, learning how to evolve the polarization that we have chosen, uh, before incarnation. So they say, um, the primary Veiling was of such significance that it may be seen to be analogous to the mantling of the earth over all the jewels within the within the earth's crust. Whereas previously all facets of the creator were consciously known. After the veiling, almost no facets of the creator were known to mind. Almost all was buried beneath the veil. So I want to explain the analogy they used. So they used the analogy of, you know, what if the jewels within the earth's crust came first? You know, what if the crystals and the, all of that is just the, the treasures within the earth came first? And then the earth came and formed around the crystals. So that's an analogy to ourselves. You know, we as inner beings came first. When the veiling came, we were almost encapsulated by this veil. Um, so almost like, you know, volcanoes erupting and creating new land over the old land, which is probably what happened. <laughs> so, um, but going on, if one were attempt to list those functions of mind most significant and that they might be of aid in polarization, one would need to begin with the faculty of visioning envisioning or far seeing without the veil the mind was not caught in your illusory time with the veil space time is the only obvious possibility for experience so um envisioning is a really big aid in polarization is what they're saying so and this is you know indigo ray activity learn how to visualize things in the mind um, imagination, essentially, it's imagination. Um, and they do say, you know, without the veil, before the veil was put in place, uh, we were not caught in what we think of as linear time. Um, but after the veil, we were um, stuck in the illusion of space. And we know there's, uh, you know, a, a separate area, if I want to call it an area, of time space, which is essentially like... A, uh, you have past, present, future kind of all happening at once, three dimensions, time, one dimension, space. So, 
the the best example that I know of this is the movie Interstellar, where at the end he's in this, you know, almost like a quantum space where there's just patterns of events before him, you know, past, present, and future. Uh, if you haven't seen that movie, it's very good as far as how time works on each planet and, and how that's described. So, uh, Also upon the list of significant veiled functions of the mind would be that of dreaming. The so-called dreaming contains a great deal of which, if made available to the conscious mind and used, shall aid in polarization to a great extent. Um, so one thing that popped into my mind, and then let me explain this really quick. So pretty self-explanatory, though they're saying dreaming can be used as a great, great tool uh, for evolution of the subconscious and, and conscious mind. Um, as far as, you know, figuring out what your dreams are trying to tell you, you know, in the dream you're in a specific circumstance, situation you know what does it mean for you and how does it pertain to your daily life it's showing you the areas of your life that you need to work on uh, whether it's relationships with certain people or uh, relationships to earth or relationships to um, you know the uh, collective you know and what's going on with the collective and what your role can be in um, being that change so uh, one thing I wanted to point out is something I said before I started recording. And uh, when we're looking at the the definition of what apocalypse actually means, um, it's really the uncovering or unveiling of things. So uh, assuming that this is the time that we live in, um, we do have maybe not a ton of people, but, you know, some people are really working towards piercing the uncovering and getting to the truth of things and not just in, you know, the world, but of themselves, you know, I want to know what I am. Why am I here? Who am I really? Um, what am I supposed to be doing? Uh, and I think we had an excellent catalyst in the last couple of years to really think, uh, rethink what we're doing in our current life and are we really benefiting society are we really benefiting ourselves our family and, and if so what can we do to change that i have seen a pattern and the folks that you come into the events that we have with a lot of people are um kind of rearranging their life either moving or changing jobs into something that they enjoy better or starting their own business or this and that so uh we've had a wonderful catalyst and I am happy to see that some people are taking advantage of it um, and I hope you know that 100th monkey effect ripples around and keeps that going keeps the momentum going so the third function of the mind which is significant which has been veiled is that of knowing of the body the knowledge of and control over the body has been lost to a great extent in the veiling process, is thusly lost from the experience of the seeker. Its knowledge before the veiling is of small use. Its knowledge after the veiling, and in the face of what is now a dense illusion of separation of mind, I'm sorry, of body complex from mind complex, is quite significant. Okay. And I think what they're they're speaking of is, um, you know, the the so-called legends of people that are able to um, control pain or control their own heartbeat and control those types of things, um, you know, over control over those portions of the body. So, for the veiling is a small use. Yeah, it's knowledge after the veiling and it faces what is knowledge and solution of separation from the body, from the mind. Yeah, I mean, how often do we go throughout our day? We're constantly picking up things and, and uh, raising our arms and scratching. And how often do we think about what actually made us raise our arms and what actually made it our, our, our move? Well, it started with a thought. It started with a thought. I have to scratch, and then your arm automatically raises up and, and scratches that itch. You know, we don't think about the processes that it takes, 
that you are the one making that thought. Well, where is that thought coming from? What is what process? How do we get from the thought of I got to raise my arm to your arm actually raising? So that is the connection between your mind and your body. Your mind is making that happen, but what's the in-between process? So uh, showing that our body and our mind is very connected. And if this could happen with raising your arm, couldn't we affect heart rates or control pain to a certain level as well? So... Um, perhaps the most important and significant function that occurred due to the veiling of the mind from itself is not in itself a function of mind, but rather a product of the potential created. This is the, uh, the faculty of will or desire. So interesting, they say the veiling of the mind from itself. Okay. And it created a huge potential, a potential for evolution. So we know that there is starting off, you know, we know that there is knowledge is hidden from us, <clears throat> excuse me, inside of us. We know that there's more. We start out with that and then we seek and then we seek. So this seeking of wanting more, of, of uh, feeling more, searching for answers inside of us that is a huge potential for evolution. And we look at, you know, where evolution was in early hominid, you know, day uh, to now, you know, that is the process of thinking deeper and paying attention to details and just constantly trying, humanity constantly trying to find a way to do things better and look where it's gotten us over time from hominids to here. We just wanted to do things better. We wanted to learn more effectively. We wanted to, um, you know, create. And I think that creation is inside of, well, I know creation is inside of us, but the, the desire to create new things, the desire to, to uh, discover new things and the desire to look and the desire to seek Okay, and so the next uh, paragraph is talking about Carla, I believe. So going into dreaming a little bit is this next one. This is always a fantastic subject for me, really interesting, because in my whole journey, I mean, I the first thing that really started happening for me, and this is from a young age, was the uh, precognitive dreams. And I didn't know that's what they were at first. And I'll go into that in a little bit. Um, you say the dreaming, if available, if available, made available to the conscious mind, will aid greatly in polarization. Would you define dreaming or tell us what it is and how it aids in polarization? Dreaming is an activity of the communication through the veil of the unconscious mind and the conscious mind. So it is your connection to your subconscious mind. So it's safe to say that your unconscious mind is speaking to you uh, through dreams. The nature of this activity is wholly dependent on the situation regarding the energy center blockages, activations, and crystallizations of a given mind-body-spirit complex. So the dreams are showing you where your energy blockages are, um, what's activated, uh, and also dependent upon which centers are active and not active and needs work and that. So, and one who is blocked at two of the three lower energy centers. So you're talking root, sacral, or solar, two of those three. Dreaming will be value in the polarization process in that there will be a repetition of those portions of recent catalyst, as well as deeper health blockages. So then you'd be dreaming about recent situations or recent happenings that you need to look at a little bit deeper to help you unblock, you know. Okay, well, this is showing me I was in fear 
at that point, or this is showing me that I've got too much control over, or I'm trying to have too much control over the situation and I need to surrender, or it's showing me boundaries or something like that. So thereby giving the waking mind clues as to the nature of these blockages and hence as to possible changes in perception, right? Which may lead to the unblocking. There you go. Uh, this type of dreaming or communication through the veiled portions of the mind occurs when those mind-body-spirit complexes, which are functioning with far less blockage and enjoying the green ray activation or higher activation at those times at which the mind-body-spirit complex experiences catalyst, momentarily reblocking or baffling or otherwise distorting the flow of energy. Therefore, in all cases, it is useful to a mind-body-spirit complex to ponder the content and emotive resonance of dreams. Yes. Pondering the content and finding out uh, what they are trying to tell us. So this tells us just because we may have activated our green ray does not mean that we can have a catalyst appear in our life that re-blocks it. Um, but in that case, again, kind of with going back to the lower energy centers, we can look at, you know, I had this dream about a certain situation and it was really hurtful and um, uh, or trying to, or I'm supposed to be trying to, to help somebody that's hurt, you know. Well, what is that trying to show us? Maybe a little bit of compassion. So when you work on compassion in our life somewhere and that um, re-unblocks the, the heart chakra. Um, for those whose green ray centers have been activated as well, as for those whose green ray centers are offered an unusual unblockage due to extreme catalyst, with, such as what is termed the physical death of the self, or one of which is beloved. So the death of a loved one or ourself, I guess, occurring in what you may call your near future. Dreaming takes on another activity. Oh, okay. So the upcoming death of oneself or another self is actually kind of what they're referring to but i do believe death of a loved one another uh, an other self um even in the recent past can be a very decent catalyst but this is actually talking about um you know what occurring in the near future predictive this is what you may loosely be termed precognition or a knowing which is prior to that which shall occur in physical manifestation or your yellow ray third density space space time uh, this property in the mind depends on its placement to a great extent in time space so that the terms of present and future and past have no meaning this will if made proper use by the mind body spirit enable this entity to enter more fully into the all-compassionate love of each and every circumstance, including those circumstances against which an entity may have a strong distortion towards what you may call unhappiness. So green ray activity um, can induce what we call precognitive dreaming. Well, Okay, I do think it happens in our waking life too, but dreaming is probably the first step. So, and this is really what, when I realized what was happening, and I mean, this, I mean, you're talking an early age, I was having some um, really small detailed precognitive dreams where I would be driving down a certain street or kind of like deja vu, I guess. But then it turned into births of family members and stuff. And uh, it would happen at once in a blue moon. It wasn't happening all the time. But enough for me to notice. Um, and that's really kind of what got me into my spiritual studies. 
but this can be this is a you know we can call it a sign that the heart space is is functioning at least to a minimal degree and that uh, that is the area that we are that should be our goal to work in the heart center i will say that ever since this used to happen once in a blue moon and it would take a few years for it to come to fruition. But since I have really started studying the archetypes and really reading from understanding the archetypes a little bit better, it's happening. Um, I'll have the dream and it's like within days now. So I really, truly believe that seeking and wanting to understand ourselves better to help others. Um, it it kind of aids in that process of, um, well, like they said, I mean, it says that, let me go back and find it again. Um, choo, choo, choo. Where'd it go? Talk, something about being in time space. Yeah, here we go. This property of the mind depends on its placement in time space so that the terms of the present and future have no uh, and past have no meaning so um you know working in there and we know that um somewhere else in the law of one it talks about the magical personality which is our higher self essentially i mean it kind of resides in this place because they're kind of the higher self is able to observe across all all time rather than being fixed like our conscious mind is currently so and then here it talks about um, compassionate love of each and every circumstance including those which we may call unhappiness so loving each circumstance as a teacher everything is our teacher circumstances situations even the ones that we feel just absolutely should destroy us you know um, I've had a few <laughs> and sometimes I still wonder uh, everybody has, so everyone has had something happen that should have destroyed us. And yet here we are and we learn to work with it and process it and move on with it. And what did we learn? We learned how to let go. We learned forgiveness. We learned compassion. We learned um, how to forgive ourselves. We learned all, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> we learned all kinds of things. And this is how we should look at things you know um as far as life life itself is our teacher our children are our teacher our family the rest of our family is our teacher we are our own teacher uh everything and um it greatly aids in our evolution to um uh, to move on and, and evolve into um a new type of being as mind, body, spirit consciously chooses the path of the adept and with each energy center balanced to a minimal degree, and it just says to a minimal degree, it doesn't have to be blazing, a minimal degree, begins to open the indigo ray center, the so-called dreaming becomes the most efficient tool for polarization. For it is known by the adept that work may be done in consciousness while the so-called conscious mind rests. This adept may call upon those which guide it. Those presence, those presences which surround it, and most of all the magical personality. Okay, here we go. Which that's a fancy word for higher self, which is a higher self in space-time analog. As it moves into the sleeping mode of consciousness, with those these affirmations attended to, the activity of dreaming reaches the potential of learned teaching, which is most helpful to increasing the distortions of the adept towards its chosen polarity. So even when we're sleeping, we're not sleeping, essentially, and we're always learning. We are always learning. It is endless and it's infinite. Even Ra here says we don't even know what it looks like at the, the next phase. Like we're doing our learning process. We're just learning something a little bit different as opposed, I'm sorry, and as, um, 
as our density allows, uh, we are learning the lessons we need to know to move even further down the line. And I think even it says at the very beginning that when they're talking about the uh, the guardian, 24 guardians, um, where do I have that? Yeah, the 24 guardians, they, they're not even at the end of the line. Like they're learning is their courage density illusion allows. Um, it is absolutely infinite. There is everything to learn and all the time in the universe because, you know, we are just stuck in a certain illusion. We're learning, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of lessons all wrapped into one according to what we have chosen for our particular lifetime. Okay. Uh, and I do believe that all of us are learning the same lessons, maybe just a different circumstance. So when I read for people, you know, I'm seeing them, uh, that the events of this person's life as it's happening to me. And I'm review. it's like I'm reviewing old situations that I've been through and I'm describing them to them. And they're like, yeah, that's what happened. So I'm like, so they're all learning the same things. Then. We really are. We just have a different perspective. We're a different faucet of the creator. Um, it just comes out, you know, we have different people, we have different, um, you know, places and things, but it's all the same lesson, in a sense. Okay. Yeah, and um, here with the asterisk, it says that when Ra said mind-body-spirit, it should be mind-body-spirit complex. Okay. Um this is where it's talking about control over the body. So we'll see what they say. Um, perhaps I can question it slightly here. I might ask why loss of knowledge and control over the body was helpful. Like he's asking, like, why did we have to do that? Why did we have to take that away? Um, my goodness, my throat chakra. <clears throat> Okay, Ra answers, the knowledge of the potentials of the physical vehicle before the veiling offered the mind-body-spirit complex a free range of choices with regard to activities and manifestations of the body, but offered little in the way of development of polarity. So they're saying, yeah, it helped with the body and you can manifest and stuff, but how do you evolve? Like, if you already know everything, how do you evolve? It's like going to the casino and winning every time and knowing you're, you're going to win every time. Do you learn anything? Not really. Um, when the knowledge of these potentials and functions of the physical vehicle is shrouded from the conscious mind complex, the mind-body-spirit complex is often nearly without knowledge of how to best manifest its beingness. However, this state of lack of knowledge offers an opportunity for desire to grow, desire and will within the mind complex. This desire is that which seeks to know the possibilities of the body complex, the ramifications of each possibility and eventual biases thusly built have within them a force which only be generated by such desire or will to know. This is about will. This is about desire. So you take, you know, one being, one person. Okay, we take one person that is like living in a castle and they have everything done for them. They already know everything, like they're good. They don't have anything to worry about. Well, let's throw them in the desert. Let's throw them in the desert. And then what happens? They're so used to having everything already done for them and manifested and everything's good. They don't have to find food ever. Like, you know, they don't have to do nothing. They don't have to clean. And then they, you throw them in the desert. Well, there's a certain will that takes over, you know, hey, I've got a will to survive. I've got a will to find food. Um, I got a, I got a will. I, I, desire to find water like 
you know, I have got to survive one way or another and I've got to do it for me. Like I am my own hero in this situation and I've got to know how to do this stuff. So that's where that will comes from. So. All right. Let's see what they say here. The loss of conscious mind has been removed from the. Oh, I see. Okay. Started speaking about post fail and then changed their focus to pre fail without realizing it. Got it. All right. Well, this is an interesting one. Before the veil, and this is session 87, um, kind of different from what I was going to go over, but that's okay. We'll, we'll cover it. It looks interesting. Before the veil, there was a knowledge of the bulb lightning technique. After the veil, some experiments created a bulb lightning. Some resulted in no bulb lighting. Other than the fact that information was not available on methods of lighting the bulb, there was some root cause of the experiments that resulted in no bulb lighting. They say, yeah, this is correct. So it's interesting that the, it's almost like some hint of knowledge was there to want to create something more because of pre-knowledge before the veil. Um, yeah. Let me go back up to, um, Eighty-three talks about Pierce and Nivea a little bit. I do remember that. Here we go. So back to we're going back a little bit. Um, session eighty-three, question ten. I might take a drink. Okay, so this is in regards to societies, you know, prior to having this fail. And I want to point out too, and I think it's in a different session. If we happen to run into it, that's fine. But it talks about like, what is the entire purpose of the veil? And it's basically to, it, it's a catalyst is what it is. And I guess I explained it. Or I tried to explain that, you know, in this uh, recording, but um, it's a function of catalyst, you know, hey, I want to be more, I want to know more, um, you know, and in accordance to the collective catalyst and individual that we're getting now, it just really forces us to go in and seek um, and, uh, you know, evolve. If we weren't shaken, if we weren't moved in such an abrupt way, if we weren't um, having an outside disruption of any kind, we would not move. We would not evolve. Um, and it's, it does state that the Logos did this for a function of catalyst so we can learn okay so again the question is about was there any uniformity or like functions of societies or societal uh, i'm sorry social organizations prior to the veil ross says the third density is by its very fiber a societal one there are societies wherever there are entities conscious of the self and conscious of other selves and possessed with intelligence adequate to process information, indicating the benefits of a communal blending of energies. The structures of society before as after veiling were various. However, the societies before veiling did not depend in any case upon the intentional enslavement of some for the benefit of others. This not being seen to the possibility to be a possibility when all are seen as one. So it's hard to enslave another person when you recognize this person as another part of yourself and vice versa. That I agree with 100%. There was, however, the requisite amount of disharmony to produce various experiments in what you call governmental or societal structures. 
Okay, so saying there's still kind of a governmental influence, not necessarily to enslave another, but maybe there were arguments on whether to create this type of society to have a government that, you know, rules everything. So well, having a, a group of people rule over others. But, you know, maybe they were coming at it as a point to, there has to be some type of structure, you know, involved in the society on how to do certain processes and keeping certain people in line um, so that they don't control others. So I, I suppose that would be a huge argument. It would really be a huge argument because given the catalyst that we have now, do we really, should we really have that type of structure? If we are all governing ourselves and we all see each other as a part of ourselves and can work in harmony and can be respectful towards one another, if and when we get to that point, do we really need a government? Do we really? Um, you know, when America supposedly uh, broke away from England, you know, they were, you know, we are states in the Constitution that we're used to, that each person is their own self-governing state. So, uh, and it was uh, Peachy Keaton there for a while, I believe, and maybe Green and Coveting got the best of them, I don't know. But um, if we're each self-governing and we can control ourselves and we can all control our emotions, um, I, do we really need that? That can be probably an argument that lasts for several lifetimes. Uh, session 83, question 11. In our present illusion, we have undoubtedly lost sight of techniques of enslavement that are used since we are so far departed from the prevail experience. I am sure that with many service to others orientation are using technique of enslavement even though they are not aware of these techniques of enslavement, simply because they have been evolved over so long of a period of time and we are so deep into um, the illusion. Is this not correct? And Ross says, this is incorrect. So no, let me go in and see then if they correct them. If it wants to go there, there we go. Okay, so moving on. Then you say that there are no cases who the, where those who are service to others oriented are using any techniques of enslavement that have grown as a result of the evolution of our societal structures. Is that what you mean? They answer, <clears throat> it was our understanding that your query concerned conditions before the veiling. Oh, there was no unconscious slavery, as you call this condition at that period. At this present space-time condition of well-meant and unintentional slavery are so numerous that it beggars our ability to enumerate them. Yeah. Yeah, the world is bad. We get it. <laughs> but it's interesting, though, that um, Abraham Lincoln just popped into my mind because they do talk about Abraham Lincoln in the law one. And uh, he says, you know, the that he was a essentially what they described was a walk-in that a fourth density positive entity yeah, at some point stepped in and um, he had a strong distortion to, towards uh, freeing the slaves. You know, he did not like enslavement of others and he saw this in the world and gave uh, Lincoln a choice for him to take over and do what needed to be done to um, unslave people. I think I'm making up my own words there. Unslave, is that a thing? Well, anyway, but yeah, we see this everywhere, everywhere in the world. You know, even in America, we're supposed to be the freest of the free and, you know, we're not. So, um, but we've also allowed it. Uh, we were tricked, but we've also allowed it. And I do see a certain number of people coming to terms with the fact that that's actually what's happening. So I'm, um, We've got a lot of work to do, though. Um, well, this is an interesting question. Okay, I was just reading a little bit below here. Uh, John asked, then for a service to others oriented entity at the time, at this time, meditation upon the nature 
of these little expected forms of slavery might be productive in polarization, I would think. Am I correct? And he says, yeah, this is quite correct. So making sure that we are not unconsciously enslaving others. And this can be emotionally, mentally, okay, and physically. Um, emotional enslavement is a pretty big one. Mental enslavement is a pretty big one. And the problem with those two is a lot of people, a lot of times the victim doesn't even know that they're enslaved. And sometimes, well, sometimes the enslaver doesn't know what they're doing. And sometimes they do. So um, fixing yourself, making sure that you are not um, uh, doing those actions as well as is anybody doing this to you? Um, are you an enslaved, emotionally enslaved by somebody? And this comes up in narcissistic relationships and, and how to create that balance without becoming that person yourself. Um, I do believe there needs to be some type of uh, rising up, but um, it's kind of an oxymoron to rise up, um, rise up, against your enslaver just to enslave them you know that's not really i don't feel like that's the goal you know rise up and then walk away and then forgive and um yeah, remove yourself from those situations okay i kind of want to go to the next one <laughs> talking about enslavement here As far as the legal system goes, yeah, I would say that a very high percentage of the laws and restrictions within what we call our legal system are the nature of enslavement. Would you agree with this? It is a necessary balance to the intention of law, which is to protect that the results would encompass an equal distortion towards imprisonment. Therefore, we may say that your, your supposing is correct. It is not this is not to um, degenerate those who in green and blue ray energy sought to a free peaceable people from the bonds of chaos, but also to point out that the inevitable consequences of <clears throat> uh, codification of response, which is not recognize the uniqueness of each and every situation within your experience. Okay. So that was a little worry, but, Basically, and if you really read our, the USA Constitution, basically it says that your rights come from God. They don't come from the government. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that. You know, our our privileges do not come from the the government. I think some in government have forgotten that. But um, our rights come from God, uh, given to us because we were born, simply because we live. We have these rights and no entity shall um, trespass on those. Um, okay, I think this one was on the other page, so but I'm just going to stay here if it's here. This is question 15 of session 83. The veil is supposed to be what I call, what I would call semi-permeable, meaning things are allowed to leak through it. That's what semi-permeable means. So if you have a balloon... Uh, with water filled in it, and the balloon is semi-permeable, then some water is going to leak through the balloon to the outside. And um, uh, as opposed to a non-permeable balloon, the, the water is just going to stay in the balloon. Uh, but yes, Ross says the veil is indeed so. Okay. Um, and then going down to the next uh, question. Uh, there were none planned by the first great, I'm sorry, I didn't even read the question. My goodness, I'm getting ahead of myself. What techniques and methods of penetration of the veil were planned, and are there any others that have occurred other than those that were planned? Raw answers, there was none planned by the first great experiment. There were none planned, Okay. As all experience, experiments, this rested upon the nakedness of hypothesis, of thinking, of wondering. Because a hypothesis is just an idea until it's proven uh, correctly. 
Okay. Like gravity was a hypothesis at one point. You know, of course, I still think we have yet to prove that, but um, the outcome was unknown. We don't know. It was discovered experi experientially and empirically that there were as many ways to penetrate the veil as the imagination of the mind-body-spirit complex could provide. There are infinite ways to penetrate the veil. The desire, there's that desire, again, the desire of mind-body-spirit complexes to know that which was unknown drew them to the dreaming and the gradual opening uh, to the seeker of all the balancing mechanisms leading to adepthood and communication with teach learners, which could pierce this veil. Okay. Desire to know more. The desire to know that which is unknown. And we are, I feel like humanity is always going to seek whether or not we like what we find is a different story. We may like what we find. But we're always searching for everything, anything smaller than the atom. We're always looking outward. We're always searching. Uh, and searching inside of us, too, doing our inner work, finding about how our own mind works and finding those hidden traumas and healing those hidden traumas and uh, what our triggers are. And um, uh, just wanting to know how we're all connected, how does that work, and what situations show us which this is all internally as well as connected to the other selves the various unmanifested activities of the self found to be productive in some degree of penetration of the veil in general we may say that by far the most vivid and even extravagant opportunities for piercing the veil are a result of the interaction of polarized entities. So that is discussing with others that are like-minded, I believe, you know, on these concepts. Um, can you expand on that is what they're asking. Um, in raw answers, we shall state two items of note. The first is the extreme potential for polarization in the relationship of two polarized entities which have embarked upon the service to others path or in some few cases the service to self we still learn from them is what they're saying secondly we would note that effect which we have learned to call the doubling effect those of like-minded which together shall <laughs> seek shall for Far more surely find. Oh my goodness, that is a mouthful. Those of like-minded which together seek shall far more surely find. So if we do a little Yoda rearranging on this sentence, um, those who are like-minded, uh, I'm sorry, those who are like-minded and also seek together, those people will find far more. <laughs> So that makes it a little bit uh, easier to understand. Okay. So just getting with somebody that's like-minded, you know, and discussing ideas about consciousness and spiritual subjects and time and um, you know, manifesting and how, thing, how this reality works and, how you know, this whatever your discussion leads you to. Uh, this is a really, really good... Um, evolution technique that that helps so especially when we do it with other people I, I mean I can sit and meditate all day that's fine but until I really just find somebody else's distortion of the same idea then I can fill in the gaps of my own my own understanding okay any questions so far I'm taking a drink, sorry. Okay. okay, we'll do another one. How long have we been going on for?
Okay, we got time for a few more, I think. I'd like to keep it around an hour. Okay. Um, going on to the next one, it's also talking about, you know, piercing the veil or uh, penetrating the veil. Um, and this is, and like I said in the beginning, I truly, truly believe this is a gradual process. It doesn't happen all at once. And maybe in, in times of, you know, psychedelic experiences and that, but that's only temporary and shouldn't be done every day. I don't feel like, uh, unless you really feel like you're ready for that, but I, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Cause then we get into, you know, are these really Sid's problems? You know, Sid from Pink Floyd, he did um, just, he was a little overzealous with them. He probably learned a heck of a lot, but I don't think his body could have handled it. Uh, but I, you know, this is a very gradual learning process. It happens through our interactions, slowly but surely, every day. And it's up to our ability to use the catalyst before us as a learning experience. Even the negative ones, they are still teaching us something. They are still showing us something. No matter how... Um, you know, no matter how negative it may seem, take it by the reins. Take it by the horns and the reins, all the above, and do something with it. Do something with it. Or if it's a situation where you need to exit yourself from that particular situation, then you're still learning how to walk away and you're still learning boundaries and you're, you're still learning something, but really get in touch with that higher self on what the best action should be for everyone involved. So for everyone involved. Um, sometimes even if that means that, uh, you know, I feel like you giving somebody, us giving somebody else a catalyst, we can almost appear like the villain in their story at first, but in the long run, it's also teaching them how to be their own hero. You know, that, hey, you know, you gotta learn this stuff on your own. You know, I'm, I'm happy to support you, you know, if you got a question, but you know, you really gotta lift yourself up and I've got here, here's some tools, but you gotta grab them, you know. You are the one that has to grab them. So, uh, Okay, next question. Specifically, by what process in the first case? And they were talking about the relationship between two polarized entities um, creating the doubling effect. When two polarized entities would attempt to penetrate the veil, whether they be positively or negatively polarized, specifically by what technique would they, would they do this? Would they penetrate the veil? Raw answers. Uh, the penetration of the veil may be seen to begin to have its roots in the gestation of green ray activity. Okay, the, the all-compassionate love which demands no return. So giving just to give, giving because it's just the right thing to do. You know, um, having compassion for another person because it's the right thing to do. And I totally just remembered a very recent catalyst in which... I had to be the one to initiate this and somebody else. And now I see how that works. Um, just doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> so why do we have to make it hard? You know, why humanity does that? And I'm not perfect with that either, but at least I sit down at night and wonder what I could have done better or worse or whatever in my life and, and try to strive to make those changes, you know. So I'm still not perfect, but if this path is followed, the higher energy center shall be activated and crystallized until the adept is born. Okay. Within the adept is the potential for dismantling the veil to a greater or lesser extent that all may be seen again as one. Seen again as one. Meaning at one time we already saw everything at one. As one. And piercing the veil would bring back that perspective that we are all one. So and that we are all learning lessons and giving lessons. And 
Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, the other self is primary catalyst in this particular path to piercing of the veil, if you call it that. Again, like I said earlier, um, interacting with other people, with other selves, and understanding that we are all learning lessons. <laughs> okay. I do want to go over this next one, and then I think I'll give it a rest for the day. Let me see the timing that we're at. Okay, I do want to go over this one, though. Because um, it does talk about the first failing process, meaning why? Why? Why do we have it? So question 19 of session 83, what was the mechanism of the very first failing process? I don't know if you can answer that. Would you try to? Raw answer is the mechanism of the failing between the conscious and unconscious mind was a declaration that the mind was complex. This, in turn, caused the body and the spirit to become complex. Okay. Meaning a separate portion of one entity. Separation. Would you give me an example of a complex activity of the body that we have now and how it was not complex prior to the veil? Meaning, how was it not separate before? You know, how was... You know what? What could work together um, that we can't do now because we, now we have separation. Raw answer is prior to the great experiment, a mind-body-spirit was capable of controlling the blood pressure in the vein. Okay, the beating of the heart, the intensity of the sensation you know is pain, and all the functions now understood to be involuntary or conscious. Okay. Super interesting. And it's in, in, um, in anatomy and physiology, okay, that the, the portions of the, these things that we don't think we have control over, there's two separate nervous systems, okay? A lot of people don't, are, are not aware of that. There's the sympathetic, it's called the sympathetic nervous system which is all of the nervous activities that we consciously have control over, like the movements of the muscles, okay, um, those types of things. We can say, I want to lift up my arm like I was speaking of earlier, and sure enough, our arm moves, you know, running, um, those types of things. And then the other nervous system is called parasympathetic, so outside of sympathetic meaning we do not have control over these things and under this nervous system is uh the heart the internal organs so you know we don't have to say okay move cheeseburger to small intestine and you know blink my eyes like you know we those things are uh controlled under two different nervous systems so we have conscious mind and we have subconscious mind. So possibly the deeper that we go into penetrating the veil, you know, maybe some of this is realized by us that, you know, we possibly would have control over those things as we did before. So some things kind of cross such as breathing. Okay. Breathing can either be sympathetic, meaning conscious, or it can be parasympathetic, subconscious, okay? So uh, lots of chronic breathing really focus on the breath. So maybe the breath is the gateway in between the two, but also blinking our eyes can be, um, so eyes, the window to the soul, you know, can be either sympathetic, which is conscious, or parasympathetic, so which is subconscious, of course. So quite interesting, yes. And what I find interesting too is I just watched a video that Corey posted earlier with Edgar Casey on Revelations, and they talk about you know the twenty-four guardians. Well, there are twenty-four vagal nerves, which is electricity, basically. <laughs> like I, it kind of opened a portion to make us realize, hey, yeah, we are stars wrapped in bodies. Like we are the universe wrapped in bodies right now. It's all happening on the inside of us. And we're perceiving it as an external um, illusion, 
Uh, okay, one more. <laughs> oh my gosh, actually, I see like five more. We'll get through this. So I don't want to stop now. This is getting interesting. Okay, when the bailing process originally took place, it seems that the logos must have had a list of those functions that would become unconscious and those that would remain conscious. I am assuming in that if this occurred, there was good reasons. Am I correct? And they say no. <laughs> so, uh, would you correct me? They say there are many, there were many experiences whereby various of the functions or distortions of the body were veiled and others were not. A large number of these experiments resulted in non, in a non-viable body complex. Oh yeah. Okay. I can see like if you veiled the wrong thing, your body really couldn't function. So they sounds like they kind of had to play with it a little bit. All right. Like, hey, you know, if they have conscious control over their digestion, like what would happen? Um, and maybe this is what happens why, you know, with with evolution, you know, maybe this is why certain species and line species don't make it. You know, maybe this is part of that process. Um yeah, or those only marginally viable. For instance, it's not a survival-oriented mechanism for the nerve receptors to blink out unconsciously and distortions towards pain. So feeling pain and not being able to uh, control your pain doesn't necessarily, it's not a survival mechanism. Uh, next question. Now, before the veil, the mind can blink out pain. I assume then that the function of the pain at that time was to signal the body uh, to assume a different configuration so that the source of pain would leave, but then the pain could be eliminated mentally. Is that correct? And was there another function of pain prior to the veiling? Your assumption is correct. The function of pain at the time was the warning of the fire alarm to those not smelling the smoke, like, hey, you know, your skin is burning. You might want to put that out kind of thing. So, hey, that hurts. You know, it, it's a warning sign. Uh, so then let's say that an entity at that time burned its hand to carelessness. It would immediately remove its hand from the burning object and in order to not feel the pain anymore would then mentally cut off the pain until the healing has taken place. This is, is this correct? So they would feel the initial warning sign uh, and then um, we would pull the hand back as we still do, but they then they were able to kind of mentally go in and say, okay, you know, this is the healing process is painful, so I'm going to block that out. So, interesting. Okay. Right, and here it's talking about how, how much uh, the distortion of pain is so productive and part of the process of evolution, you know, and I, I, you know, went through a broken back and that was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous, but I'll tell you what, I learned to push through so much. So that was strength and that was will, like I will get this done. I desire to get this done. I will stand up. I will do this, you know. So there was a lot of desire and will and just strength involved in. So I would not change it at all. I am grateful that I went through that. I also learned, um, you know, who were my true family and who was not, you know. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for all of it. I learned so much and I would not be the person I am today if I didn't go through that. And I know, um, uh, Craig, you know, something similar for you as well as anybody listening. I bet you can point out one circumstance that you thought was so negative or so painful or so this or so that. But would you take it back? Would you change it? Because now you're the person that you are today and you're stronger you're more empathetic, you're more compassionate, you're more patient, and you have the will, and you have the strength, and you have the faith. So that's what these things teach us, and that is is very hopeful as far as your evolutionary process goes. So 
I'm going to leave it there and stop the recording. And then um, we'll see y'all probably next week. So um, if any of you would like to hear a certain portion of the law one, uh, let me know. I'm open to ideas there. Um, otherwise, you're just going to listen to my innocent ramblings. And also, to at some point in the future, I do kind of want to bring in the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. I reread it. I read it back in 2015 and didn't really understand it. I read it again about a week ago, and it is so love one-ish. Like, I, it blew my mind. So I do want to go over some similarities at some point in the future if you're open to that. So, all right. Love you all, and we'll see you again.